Welcome to Flyover Film Country. I'm Isaac Sims. I'm Olivia Clement. I'm Eric Pham. This is a podcast about places oft forgotten by Hollywood. Or rather, today we're stepping onto Crockett Island and just in time for Easter, dissect the harrowing series from Mike Flanagan, Midnight Mass. Um, how's everyone doing this, uh, this Easter season? What's, uh, what's going on in y'all's lives? Dude, I'm just busy with work. I, f- yep. I feel like that's been really consuming my time. Same. Um, Isaac, I think I told you I've had a really stressful past few weeks recently. And so that's how I'm doing. Eric, how are you? I feel like we haven't talked to you in a minute. Uh, doing good. Um, just same old, same old, uh, doing a little bit more traveling than usual. Um, still watching a fair amount of movies. Um, watching a lot of basketball right now with playoffs just now starting today officially. Did you watch the games last night? Yes. Um, man, I can't believe the Pelicans came back and beat the Clippers. Yeah. That that could not, as a Thunder fan, that could not have worked out more perfectly for us. Because that means oh, we, get yeah. it, we get the 12th draft pick. Okay. The, yeah. The, as the, opposed odd, to the, 15th. The, be, the better odds. Yeah. Um, yeah, watching a lot of basketball. It's basketball season in springtime. But other than that, it's just same old, same old. What about nice. you, Isaac? I definitely know what y'all are talking about draft-wise and <laughs> right. stuff. Right, yeah. <laughs> Wait, explain real quick, like, what is, because I'm assuming some of our listeners don't know what y'all are talking about either, what is, so you get a, uh, it, like, the Thunder will get a draft, because, like, I consider the Thunder my team, but, like, the playoffs are connected to the draft picks as well. So, yeah, so, uh, the Thunder, when they traded Paul George to the LA Clippers a couple years ago, they got a ton of draft picks because of that and gotcha. so it I don't I don't know how like it exactly all works out but I know that if the Clippers had won last night then the Thunder would have gotten the 15th overall pick but because they lost they got the 12th overall pick okay. so uh, it just is better for the Thunder because we get to draft we're more likely to draft the player that we that they want as opposed to maybe having to settle for a different player, you know? Perfect, yeah. So, so yeah, the Thunder are in, they were in tank mode this season. I don't know if they'll still be in tank mode next season. Like they season. were so strong, like a military tank? <laughs> or they sure. were tanking? They yeah. were tanking. Oh, okay, okay. They were tanking and purposefully. On, yeah, yeah. So, and on top of everything Olivia said, there's like a lottery system yeah. On top of that, which can shuffle the order even more so, and some say rig the system. But yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, so that's that's a whole that's a whole different podcast. Yeah, gotcha. Not not really related to Midnight Mass. Oh yeah. I'll, so Olivia, like, with you having a stressful time at work, I'm sure Midnight Mass was like a cathartic release of uh, yeah. All that it, stress. it was. <laughs> was for sure i did not feel stressed or overwhelmed <laughs> not, not at, all. at all i yeah no it was really good i will say a movie i have watched recently which was super fun that i got to go do this i got to see selena which is a movie i think that we should do at some point but it's about the singer selena and it was the 25th anniversary so they re-released it at the theater and i went with my mom and it was a lot of fun when do you guys know what happens do you guys know anything about selena no, uh, but I'm assuming this was kind of like in your mom's heyday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, she she was a musician that really 
really broke a ton of barriers because she was the first like major female Tejano singer and then she also was one of the first to like kind of bridge the gap between like the Latino world and kind of like the English speaking world and she was just really beloved anyway it was fun watching that movie with a bunch of other people who love that movie because they booed at the right spots they cheered at the right spots oh yeah it was yeah. it was probably one of my favorite movie going experiences now nice that's good so nice. that that's good. was that was nice and even though the movie ends sadly it it was just kind of heartwarming so for sure anyway. Isaac, I I cut you off. So what's up with you? You're good. I'm no, I'm good with work, and we're getting we're getting like some stuff ready for the baby. So nothing nothing too exciting. Um, I'm seeing everything everywhere all at once today, which will be great. Um, I've been watching a lot of TV. We've been watching Winning Time. I've been watching Tokyo Mm. Vice and Slow Horses, and I Mm. feel like there's another show that. That's really all I've had time for. Um, Tokyo Vice is very good. Slow Horses is excellent on Apple TV Plus and HBO Max, respectively. Uh, y'all should y'all should check them out Slow or horses. our listeners. Um, yeah, what what have you been watching, Eric? I most re- I actually just watched a, a total re- Paul Verhoeven's Total Recall. While oh, we I still need to see it. Waiting uh, to record this morning. Nice. That was. Um, 1990 it came out in 1990 a really good one of the last the latest great example of like good science fiction practical effects before the whole move to uh, majority of green screen so that was really fun to watch Arnold Schwarzenegger is is amazing in it yeah um before that oh I finally got around to watching the George Romero Night of the Living Dead movies I watched Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead and I plan on watching Day of the Dead sometime next week Nice, nice. Uh, Verhoeven question, RoboCop or Total Recall? (sighs) (laughs) I had to go RoboCop Uh because that was like one of the first R-rated movies i ever seen. Um, Naturally, you have to go with that. Yeah, I love RoboCop. Yeah, yeah. RoboCop RoboCop is incredible. Yeah. Um, Speaking of RoboCop, let's talk about vampires. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay, okay. so real quick, just a quick background for our listeners before we dive in. Um, Mike Flanagan, because we, we mentioned him by name, like Mike Flanagan, he Mikey. created Midnight Mass. People were like, who is that? Um, he directed Haunting of Hill House, which was an incredibly successful Netflix horror series about a family with uh, something haunting them and, and a lot of family trauma explored. Um, and he directed Gerald's Game and most recently, uh, theatrically, Dr. Sleep, the Stephen oh, yeah. King Shining right. sequel starring Ewan McGregor and um, Rebecca Ferguson. And he also did Blind Manor and he's slated to do a Fall of the House of Usher series at Netflix, um, which mm. I'm very I'm interested. excited. Yes, very interested to see what that's like. Um, but he's really focused on kind of like this humanity, like the things that are terrifying about the experience of being a human, which is makes him really unique. And sometimes it's really successful. Sometimes it's not as successful. Um, and this in midnight mass is like a critique of religion. It's a critique of fanatical religion 
and it's he's said he's on record saying that it's most his most personal story his most personal work um and it was influenced by salem's lot and storm of the century so which probably influenced like the um setting of the movie on the island like this just remote like looks like it could be washed over and swallowed by the ocean at any moment um and then salem's lot obviously vampires so um i watched this in october i think eric you and i watched it around the same time and then olivia you watched it for the first time most recently so there's so there's so many like rich characters and storylines and um there's just a lot of stuff in this series um and a lot of it connects to what we've talked about before on the podcast with faith and religion and kind of like blindly accepting um a cultural religion um so i don't even know where to start there are too many characters to name and i don't want to lose our listeners so let's just jump right in and so olivia who were like who are some characters that or storylines that kind of stuck out to you the most so so father paul was of course really interesting but i really think that uh the sheriff's storyline was was fascinating to me just because i cannot imagine moving to this small secluded island where you're the only one who practices a different religious uh or you have a different religion than than everyone else and even the people who who aren't necessarily like devout christians you you know like even they treated him a little differently and it's not just like religion but also he's a different race and ethnicity than than everyone else on the or most people on the island and so just seeing how he he comes to to wrestle with all that and and deal with all that i thought that was really fascinating to me i thought aaron's storyline was interesting just because i can't imagine miscarrying a baby and then a doctor saying no you were never pregnant like that would of course make me sound or make me feel crazy and so i thought her storyline was really interesting and really anytime zach guilford's in anything he plays riley I just, mm-hmm. I love Zach Guilford so much. I never watched uh, Friday Night Lights, but I, I think I would consider watching it just for him because I love him so much. I just think he's so cute. That's beside the point. Yep. So those were the ones that kind of stuck out to me. Uh, what about you guys? The Eric, I want to hear your thoughts j- just to uh, provide background. Riley is kind of the main character of the series. Mm-hmm. He's the first character that we see. Um he was in he was a successful like entrepreneur and startup um junkie and and made it was pretty successful until he killed a young girl in a drunk driving accident was sentenced to four to ten years in prison and and his it comes out later that his parents paid his legal fees and it kind of like drove them to almost like the verge of poverty or maybe they they did get driven there um and so there's resentment with his father there and he sees this girl every night before he goes to sleep and he's obviously like guilt ridden and while he was in prison he um read like every single religious text looking for answers to um to his his questions so 
Yeah, he 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 was a uh, really great. Um, and I'm I'm jumping way ahead, but the yeah. the scene I don't remember what episode it was. I think it's maybe episode five where he's on the boat and he just bursts into flames. Was was something else. I I I I saw it coming, but like the way that that scene was um, showed to the viewer was was really one of the one of the great things about the series. The highlights of the series. Um, yeah, and his character was definitely interesting, his kind of journey to sobriety and where, um, he kind of comes to grip to with his family. Um, I really enjoyed his character, but yeah, my favorite characters are the sheriff, Sheriff Hassan, I think is his name. Yeah. And the doctor, uh, doctor of the island. um, Sarah. Sarah. Um, those two were my favorite characters just because they, I related them to them related to them the most and were the characters that I kind of viewed the story through. Um, I really enjoyed <laughs> one of the, uh, the, I think we were talking about this. There are a ton of monologues, but the, really the monologues <laughs> I enjoyed the most were from the monologues from Sheriff Hassan because mm-hmm. um, his were, his, whenever he, he, he spoke, everything he said was very poignant mm-hmm. and direct to, to make the point that everything of everything that he's, he's been through. Um, yeah yeah he whenever Aaron goes to to him and is like I think I need to report a missing person and it's Riley and he gives this monologue of talking about because she she accuses I think either Father Paul or or Bev who we're gonna have to talk about Bev I freaking hate (laughs) that lady anyway and and he's like you want me the the Muslim sheriff to investigate two of the most important religious figures, two of the most important figures in the community. And he goes on this like huge monologue about like his experience as being a Muslim, like post nine 11 and all that. And, and just, it is just really like great. I mean, the actor's name is Rahul Kohli, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's he's awesome. Like he's he's so good and the way he was able to to bring so much emotion without somehow breaking his emotion, like breaking with that emotion during that was was amazing. I agree with you wholeheartedly, Eric. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, he, and I really enjoyed sorry to cut you off, Isaac. Very good. I I really enjoyed uh seeing his relationship with his son. Mm-hmm. Um because his son is from a different generation. He obviously is growing up with his surroundings and um, seeing that dynamic between him and his father was uh, another um, really interesting to watch unfold as the story progresses to like the finale of him just going to the mass Uh, his son I'm talking to about so I took notes on what he he told to um he, yeah, he's he's a great actor. Uh, the scene where they're he's praying with his son before they go to bed, and his son says, "I want to go to church because there's like all that." I mean, uh, Lisa Scarborough can walk now. Uh, that's one of the most miraculous like scenes when something something incredible happens, and it's it's like this response for us. Like, is something is this is are people actually being healed? Well, obviously, people are are being healed, but what is causing that? Um, he sees his school aged friend, Lisa Scarborough can walk after being shot in the spine and (laughs) years ago. And so he says like, it's, 
I, I just want to know what's going on. And uh, Hassan kind of like, he said, if God really worked that he, I took notes cause this one of the best scenes I thought he said, if God really worked that way, if he decided that he was going to heal some people and not others, if he handed Lisa Scarborough a miracle, but handed a child on the mainland, a tumor. No, that's not how God works. No matter how exciting the stories are or the Buddhists or the Scientologists, it's not magic. And it's kind of this sort of, and that's what's so interesting because Riley is the biggest skeptic throughout the whole series and Sheriff Hassan because they're, they're just kind of like on edge and skeptical. And ultimately I feel like that's one of the messages of the series is like doubt is good. Doubt mm-hmm. is healthy. And when doubt isn't confronted or not confronted, but like welcomed with, um, open arms and compassion, um, you, you get something less literally like the conclusion of midnight mass, but you get emotional trauma and like hurt from the church and, um, and all, and all that. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I feel like so often doubt is not welcomed by any, I would argue probably any religious group, but especially within Christianity, they, a lot of Christians don't welcome doubt or, or not, they're told not to welcome doubt. And then they end up going to a Christian school. And then I see them in my counseling office and we have to wrestle with, with their religious beliefs and figuring out like how, how deeply impacted they are by religious trauma because they weren't allowed to question or explore or figure out like what, what they actually believe. And it's, Man, it's rough. I love working with with you know people trying to determine like what their religious beliefs are and 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 diving into religious trauma, but sometimes it's it's really hard. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's so much oh, there's just so much good stuff. And we were joking before um before this we started recording about how <laughs> when Annie goes to pick up Riley at the ferry and cuz Riley comes back after being in prison for four years and he has nowhere else to go. So he has to go home and he obviously has a lot of guilt and a lot of like stuff that he's carrying. Um, and he's trying to get back on his feet and his mom just like delivers this monologue about how like, well, the oil spill several years ago wiped out like half our economy and like Mm -hmm. a lot of people have left and homes are empty and like this, this isn't really a community anymore. It's a ghost town. And it's like really, solemn and depressing and then she's like well welcome back hope you hope you enjoy your stay (laughs) (laughs) like stuff like that I think I I see where his writing is just a little bit like self-serious um and 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 I appreciate that but um I think the solemnity of like of every episode I wanted to point out real quick that every episode is named pretty intentionally too um, book one is called Genesis. Book two is called Psalms. Book three is Proverbs. Book four is Lamentations. When you realize, when Aaron realizes that her baby is just like disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, book five is the gospel. Book six is Acts of the Apostles and seven is Revelation. Um, and which, wow. Yep. Stellar, <laughs> stellar naming of those yep. episodes. Yep. Good on you, Mike pretty incredible um 
Yeah, the the I want to camp on book three real quick, and then we'll talk about Bev. Um, book three <laughs> is when you get the background of like what happened with Father Paul, mm-hmm. um, because I think if they had gone all the way to book four, like the the direct middle of the series, you would have been wondering like, wait, what is going on? Like, what? Where's Where's the actual Monsignor? Like, who's this guy? Is he an imposter? Mm-hmm. What were you What were you like? thoughts and feelings whenever because you find out at the end of four uh, end of three after you see all the flashbacks with monsignor pruitt in um the middle east in in jerusalem you realize that he is monsignor pruitt uh what were y'all was that kind of a big twist or had y'all guessed that at that point you go eric yeah yeah i didn't see that one coming at all um it it was a really good twist um, as with a lot of the other, uh, faith based elements in the story, a lot of the, uh, it went straight over my head. Um, but yeah, his, uh, the, the reveal of that was, was really good because I didn't see that one coming and a twist like that being told pretty early on in the story was also, um, I thought a pretty bold and interesting, um, storytelling decision. So it was great at the horror um and the horror fan in me really appreciated that what what eric what were your thoughts about just like all the 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 manner in which that was retold like he is confessing he's in the confession booth by himself like what were your thoughts about that just like i mean like for me and olivia like we didn't grow up catholic and yeah, uh, yeah. but what what are your thoughts about like just the way, the con- he, like the, how he was saying things and the way right. he was saying things, it's pretty eerie. Yeah, it, it really is, and and just the whole confession thing is, uh, of course, it's it's portrayed in in movies a lot, and yep. um, it was it was interesting to see it portrayed here in that manner. Yep. Um, but the the as I said, a lot of the whole the, a lot of the faith based stuff went straight over my head, but um, I was definitely in invested in the story for for the horror elements yeah and i did come to appreciate the the message that mike flanagan portrayed and the way i interpreted it was the whole blind faith thing yeah yeah hamish linklater like by far i think he he has he's the best he has the best performance in this really incredible incredibly acted ensemble Mm -hmm. um yeah, Hamish Linklater is incredible in the role of awesome. Father Paul slash Monsignor Pruitt. Olivia, what uh, I want to hear your thoughts about this episode. So, I think that this at that point, and and maybe 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 I think this about the whole series. I think that this episode might be the scariest or one of the scariest for yep. me because you get the cave scene. You get the cave yeah. scene, and it's so creepy and gross, and the demon vampire thing is terrifying and well he's an angel remember (laughs) great angel stop that (laughs) um it it's so just creepy and gross and violent and which like i say violent it isn't the most violent thing i've ever seen but it's it still feels really violent and i think well, you, maybe he's like drinking the the angel's yeah. blood which is that's the part where i was like oh like what awesome. yeah yeah and i don't know if you guys watch it with subtitles i watch it with subtitles and anytime 
anyone was drinking any blood, it said slurps in parentheses, <laughs> which is so gross. I think it made it worse that it said that because yeah. it's like, obviously it's that's happening. Um, but yeah, no, I think so. Yeah, I didn't grow up Catholic. I don't I truthfully don't understand confession in that sense. Like I understand confessing sins. I get that. But confessing to a priest or a religious fig- figure doesn't make sense to me due to my own religious beliefs. So, um, anyway, so I just think it's really interesting that that we see him going to his own confession by himself, which is how I view confession. But, um, yeah, it, I don't know. It's just, there's so much stuff that happens and it's so intense and I don't know, I'm thinking of, I think I'm, I'm more so thinking about all of this from a psychological standpoint. And just if anyone were to come to me and tell me any of this, I'd be like, all right, so would you like to get into my car so we can take you to a, a hospital? That's, that's what I would do. Check them into a psych ward immediately. Yep. Um, it sounds insane. The, the funny thing, like. The the way Hamish Linklater is like delivering these lines, like with such rever- and and the reason I love his performance so much is because once I was watching the first four episodes, um, what I was able to watch um, before we recorded, I was watching them knowing like this guy is actually like eighty five or ninety years old, like he's mm-hmm. super super old, and while watching the way he talked, I was like, oh, I he's playing this as a ninety year old man. He kind of like he stumbles a little bit and he's like kind of like awkward because he's not used to like having his, his mind and his like vocal cords connect as well. But then mm-hmm. once he like finds his stride, it's like really captivating and like uh, um, charismatic and enthusiastic, but especially like he, he totally got the memo like in, in the confession booth because he's he's like pr- literally praying and confessing and it's so earnest and it's mm-hmm. so scary because he i'm trying to write down or i wrote down took notes some some of the things that he said but especially toward the end of that episode um he he said uh he said like forgive me for lying to the people i'm here to save forgive me for the small lies i must tell in your service and especially the way he delivered that, I was like, "Oh gosh," <laughs> because and that kind of gets to the whole point of, or another another point of the series. I feel or that I took from it is like, it's. I saw a tweet a couple of days ago, and it was like, it, it said, um, "I had a better relationship. My relationship with my dad improved so dramatically whenever I realized that he was just some some dude." <laughs> and and that's how I feel about this series in terms of like like pastors and like religious figures and that kind of thing is like Bev elevates Monsignor Pruitt to this status mm-hmm. of like you came back from the dead like at one point he dies because he doesn't have mm-hmm. any of the uh, um the the he calls it the sacrament the angel's blood which is so good scary um, uh, and, yeah. But then he, but since he's an, a vampire, he can't die. So he'll just like die and live in pain and then resurrect and then die and live in pain if he doesn't have more of this blood that gives him life. And she elevates him to this sort of like, like God, like, um, 
figure, which no pastor or priest or bishop or monsignor is like ever supposed to be. And right. I feel like that's another point that he's making like across all religions when that happens and a human mm-hmm. gets elevated to that position, that's where things go like really, really wrong. Right. And we can see that. I mean, we, we see that all the time in today's like modern church. Think about uh, the dude from Hillsong recently and think about um, what is that stupid guy's name? <laughs> uh, the pastor out in Seattle, Mark Driscoll, oh, you yeah. know, like yeah. the, the rise and fall of Mars Hill is a podcast that was really popular among Christian circles recently because it talked about how Mark Driscoll was elevated to this like all knowing being, even though he, he wasn't, he's just some, like he is the like definition of just some dude. And mm people acted like he was the greatest thing ever and he wasn't clearly he wasn't if you listen to that podcast eric actually i'd be so curious to hear what your thoughts are on that podcast um if you were to ever listen to it i i honestly might because uh a lot of the these uh these uh people i'm assuming they're like televangelists or they're like jared leto like figures and i'm very abused by them (laughs) (laughs) like morbius uh eric dr michael morbius i need i need to confess something to you uh while we're confessing like we're talking about confession (laughs) this is Um, a three-way confession here we go it's a three-way confession uh i i did go see morbius it was not my my idea i did not pay to go see it but I it did Good. go end up in seeing it. It is just as bad as everyone says it is. Wow, there's so, like no redeeming qualities. N- That's no. a vamp- it's a vampire. That that Morbius is a vampire, right? Yes, it's supposed to be. Okay, yeah. Okay. And I think so. So I don't know if this is a hot take. I'm sorry, we're going completely off book here. Morbius tangent, real quick. Morbius tangent. So, so I I think that the the Andrew Garfield Spider Man movies have like the coolest shots of like the like action shots, mm-hmm. my opinion. And I think that they they attempted to do a little bit of that in Morbius, and that was like okay, but there was nothing else redeeming about it. Nothing nothing made sense. It's like how anyway. That's <laughs> it's just that was it. That was like the slightly redeeming quality, but it did not redeem it enough compared to it did not outweigh the rest of the things that were completely completely Mm. wrong with it i wonder how much creative control jared leto had because i know that tom hardy took was was kind of assertive with venom but it works with venom because it's like tom (laughs) i think it just it's campy enough it's campy but it's also like tom hardy is likable and i don't think people like jared leto (laughs) And Jared Leto is too self-serious for it to be campy. That's right. Why, that's yeah. kind of where, like, my without having seen the movie, that's my um, that's my perspective on like yeah. why it's not doing as well as Venom. I think I think that's that's all completely true because Tom Hardy can be funny, and I feel like Jared, like you like you said, Jared Leto is too serious to allow himself to be funny or campy. Yeah. This is a superhero so. movie. This is you're not playing Batman. You're playing yeah. <laughs> A, a, a vampire yeah <laughs> it could so, have been, it could have been very cool like, and tamed down yeah it could have been a very cool movie but yeah um, um let's talk about bev do uh, y'all let's know talk about bev okay, okay eric I have, a, I have a question about bev yes. yeah are um do y'all know 
people like Bev or is that just unique to the yes. I hundred percent know people church. like no, oh, okay. no. Okay. Yep. No, that is there there is almost there I would I would say there's probably at least one Bev in most oh. churches. Mm-hmm. And it's funny too, so I I want to be sensitive about about this just because I think no some people who listen to this are <laughs> that grew up with best. me and went to the church that I went to. But the church that I grew up in <clears throat> for a lot of my life had was like extremely strict in like kind of like behavior focus as opposed to like how how's your how's your heart? Like what do you I mean, are you okay? Or like what's going on in your heart? And they would, that's, that's not to hear that. That's, that's my, that's my, um, observation. The come to realize years later that a lot of the people in leadership and a lot of the parents in leadership came from like very, very licentious, like crazy paths, like did crazy mm-hmm. things in college, like, you know, and that's not true of all of them, but a lot of them. And I was talking with some friends and we were kind of like breaking it down. And one of them just said, I mean, it makes sense that a culture like a church culture like that would be so strict. Um, if they, because that's their reaction to their own behavior and like the, the Mm -hmm. guilt that they carry and the remorse they carry, which is like guilt and remorse can be good. But we, I have seen a lot of like a lot of damage from, from that from that church and that culture, um, some I've had to work through, um, and then like other friends, um, and it gets kind of like passed down from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. So, um, yes, that's kind of, kind of a long answer, but yeah, we, I, I definitely know people like that. And, and the Bevs are often don't even realize that they're the Bevs. No, no, no. because, because it kind of like, it's, it's, yeah, it's like this, it's this passion. It's this passion for like, this is, this is the most important thing in the world. And that's where faith is really difficult because especially like the, the Bible, I mean, for example, at one point Bev, I forget if it, who it is that she's quoting this to, but she says the man who acts presumptuously by not obeying the priest who stands to minister there before the Lord, your God, that man shall die. Like she like kind of like screams this at someone who's kind of like questioning what Monsignor Pruitt's doing. Mm -hmm. And it's, she does that multiple times. She just like pulls scripture out and she's like commanding, but you're also, you just sense it like, no, I don't think you're (laughs) right. (laughs) Uh, yeah, yeah. There's, I, I think that anyone who grew up in church could probably be like, Oh yeah, there is definitely a Bev. Uh, the church I went to in in Fort Smith was a pretty big church, and and so there were there were a few bevs, <laughs> and they don't know they think that what they're doing is right by their minds, it, just like just like how we always think that what we're doing is right unless we we really know it's wrong, and Bev, I mean, you got to give her some credit; she knows her scripture, um, but just because you know scripture doesn't mean it's actually changed your life or impacted you in any way, um, and I think that that's what is so hard because of the bevs in our lives so many people and i'm going to include myself in this sometimes really struggle with with accepting what is like said as scripture but is wielded as something different 
you know, I think that so many people wield scripture as oh, as a weapon and not as as a way to shape their life, as a tool to shape their life. And and so it makes it hard, at least for me, whenever someone is like, well, according to this, this scripture and this verse, um, you should never do anything like this or like you are this way because of that. And it's like, okay, so you're just judging me with scripture, even though we are literally the same. And, and that's what I in the last episode, I think it's the last episode where Riley's mom, Annie comes in and is like, Bev, you are a horrible person. (laughs) Like that was, man, that vindication of finally being able to say that thing you've been holding on to. Cause I imagine they've known each other their entire lives was just beautiful. It was so sweet. And as a Christian, I probably shouldn't like root for moments like that, but man, it is so nice to see Bev's kind of get put in their place because you want to say those things to those people, but you can't, or you, you are, t- most, of are time like, you, most of the time you can't, most of the time you can't, which is annoying. Cause it's like, you, that's all you want to do. Um, but yeah, yeah. I feel like the people who are like Bev and, and not necessarily even just like Bev, but like people in general, uh, often in the church use scripture to manipulate and to to get their ways or make people just feel guilty and like that's that's not how I view scripture and that's not what I feel like is Christ-like in any capacity and so that's something that I've like had to wrestle with you know as as an adult and and it's important to I I want to just clarify that I mean the by I, I believe that the Bible is like is the the written word of God and it's like God's revelation of Jesus to humanity and that like there there there's a reason that there are the Ten Commandments that like the, they are they were meant to protect like the people of Israel they're meant to protect like our minds and hearts like there there is there's so much merit and there's so much good in the Bible. Um, and none of, from what I remember of midnight mass, like none of it truly like, like Jesus, the person of Jesus is sidelined. And that's kind of like in Christianity, Jesus is, is the savior. (laughs) Like, like you, you put your trust in Jesus and, um, (coughs) and you're, you're absolved of your sin. Um, and, and Jesus is sidelined like as a person and Monsignor Pruitt and like the angel are kind of the people who are idolized and exalted to the, to a place of like supernatural power, even though the angel is a monster and Monsignor Pruitt's whole, the whole reason he got everyone into this mess was because he felt guilt about, um, about having, Sarah out of Sarah. Yeah. The doctor, Sarah out of Mm -hmm. wedlock and he didn't want them to die. And he like wanted to be able to have a, like, so again, he was motivated by guilt, um, Mm -hmm. and, and something wrong. And, and he thought that this angel was what the people of his hometown needed. And then lo and behold, everybody dies. Like that's, that's the kind of, um, the Atlantic, an article in the Atlantic kind of speculates that he was 
especially oh my gosh the last episode is so bloody um <laughs> oh my gosh or last two episodes uh yeah. is supposed to be an allegory for like the how terrible the crusades were and how like misinformed um the crusades were that's a depressing chapter in christendom history so anyway well and i think i think you raise a good point like earlier you said like any sort of religious figure is really just some guy and i think that that's so true and and we see this with you know father paul or monsignor and then with the the age angel demon are elevated to be these these things and and jesus is sidelined and that's i think that happens way too often in at least american western christianity is like the pastor is viewed as being kind of the the greatest and the the one to save us or whatever when that's literally anti-gospel and or or like you know we think about um like joel olstein and and these these mega church pastors who preach a like prosperity gospel which is also not the gospel like it's not like that's not at the end of the day none of that is going to be according to my beliefs, according to what I think the Bible is saying, none of that is going to save anyone. And so, and, but yet that's what happens so often in, in the church. Yeah. The, uh, this is very random, but, uh, as y'all know, I've been watching righteous gemstones lately and, uh, the Joel, there's a lot of parallels between Joel Osteen and, a lot of what is told in that story like I, and, and and it's crazy because um like I, I saw something where Joel Osteen was hiding like money inside the walls of his mm-hmm. church yep which is mm-hmm. literally like something straight out of the righteous gemstones <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it, it's just it's just mind blowing some of these these people who get uh, this power and then just lose everything um that kind of got them to where they were yeah yeah and it happens more often than not or maybe not more often than not but more often than i i think anyone would want it to happen but it happens all the time which is really sad basically um the (laughs) so the the last couple episodes that we we come to realize that the reason lisa could walk the reason um the reason the reason Lisa could walk is the same reason um, Aaron's baby just like disappeared. Um, the blood that Father Paul <laughs> had been, the sacrament from the angel that Father Paul had been putting in the communion wine was being spread to everyone who attended mass, which was um, <sighs> most of the island, but not everyone of the mm-hmm. island. Because Bev ends up saying like, those who've been coming to church and taking communion, they have nothing to fear tonight. As for the rest, let let God sort them out. It's like, <laughs> Which insane. again is so not so Christ-like what's, yep. whatsoever. Like just the like, well, God will sort them out. And it's like, if you really believed this message, you would want everyone to be there. But okay, yep. you're insane, Bev. Yep. And um, so, so the way it works is they've been drinking the wine and they've been like their bodies have been rejuvenated Mm -hmm. to some extent. Mm -hmm. Um, Sarah's mom starts to look younger and younger with each episode that passes. Um, 
Lisa can walk. And, but then it's like the flip side is like, oh, bad stuff is happening too because Aaron's baby's gone. When did y'all like kind of figure out what was going on? Did you think it was something like something spiritual or like you, you get a hint that it's the blood in the third episode, but I really didn't pick up on, that he was pouring it into the wine like until later, even though they show it in episode two, I'm pretty sure they show him pouring it from his flask. Yeah. Yeah. Cause right. the, the, the teenage boys walk in and, oh man, can you guys hear me still? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We okay. My, it, I like, it like cut out for a second. So I don't know what happened. I guess my internet sucks. So sorry about that. <laughs> but you see the teenage boys like Warren and Uger walk in and he's pouring it from his flask. And so it's like weird, but you're like, okay. I don't yeah. think I, I picked up on it until uh-huh. maybe, I don't know, episode four or five probably. Yeah. Yeah. I did, same. I did not pick up on it until very late because I was like, holy crap. The, uh, that reveal was very surprising to me. Um, mm-hmm. I think what, what helped with that was when, uh, Sarah's mom was like de-aging. I'm like, okay, something fishy is going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But that was, yeah, I was definitely uh, not sharp on that plot detail. Well, even with, with uh, Sarah's mom, Mildred, my my dumb self was like, why does she look different in this episode? <laughs> yeah. It wasn't until like episode three or four, I think, where I was like, she's aging, ba- she's Benjamin buttoning it. Yeah. She's, she's Benjamin Button. Uh, so, cause I looked up the cast after the first episode and when I saw this young actor playing her mom, I was like, why did they cast such a young actor to uh, play, play her mom? It's funny. And, yeah. It's funny. Cause, uh, I'm trying to find her name, but the actress who plays, uh, Riley's mom is also like very young. Right. Kristen, her, Kristen Lehman is yeah. very, very young. And, and Sam- Samantha Sloyan is too, who plays Bev. Right. Yeah. And that's, a, and, and I think that now that I'm thinking mm. about it, I think like Bev also looked like she was aging backwards too, but so yeah. was, so was Annie Flynn. And so it makes sense now. But at the time I was like, why did they cast these younger actors to play these like older, older characters? I'm so confused by that, but n- now it makes sense. Yeah. Some great, great use of makeup mm-hmm. um, and special effects throughout the series. Yep. That uh, this the last scene. Um, oh, I was I was gonna just clarify. Like, so they they've been drinking the the blood and they're experiencing the effects, but then to become undying, they ha- which is what Father Paul wanted for the whole community from the beginning. They have to. Um, die, and mm-hmm. then and then they will like do yeah because they all la the rat poison y- yeah exactly so they are, yeah. which that oh my gosh that scene was so intense when they locked the church doors yeah. oh man oh, it was man. awesome oh, that man. was great great um, no piece. the whole time I wish you guys could have seen me while I was watching it the whole time I had my shirt up like this and I was just. <laughs> covering my face watching it between you know my fingers uh it was so stressful and crazy and insane i did think i bet eric loved this oh i loved it i was i was while you were doing that i was like the uh little teenage kid in like avengers endgame just cheering and clapping (laughs) (laughs) die (laughs) 
Oh man, uh, that was your end game. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, it definitely <laughs> was. was. It, it made it made all the uh, everything worth it. Was that finale was was actually really incredible. Being serious, but yeah, I, I loved uh, seeing seeing stuff like that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Like just absolutely bonkers. Final two episodes. It kind of it, overall, like I, I mean, this is more of a, a technical critique, but overall, I wish that there had it had been more economical and like kind of moved faster, gotten yeah. to the really creepy things a little bit faster. There, there's some like some characters and storylines. I don't think that that could have been cut out. And I think that overall the, if the series were streamlined a little bit more and exploded in, if it was like a five part series or a four part series exploding in those final two episodes, it would have been yeah. a perfect series limited series for me. But I just will never ever forget like that final scene when everything on the island catches fire, and oh, man. they're just all they're all holding hands like their eyes are glowing from becoming <laughs> vampires, and they're singing. Uh, yeah, the singing. Is it leaning on the ever everlasting arms? I don't remember what it was. <clears throat> Let me. Sorry for just clearing my throat in the mic. I've been trying not to do that. Let me look to see if it says it on IMDb. I think it's leaning on the everlasting arms. Uh, so. No, it's near my God to thee. There it is. Yeah. So, which, I think that I I, I'm still trying to figure out how I feel about that moment. I think that right now, thinking through that that moment where they're all coming together and singing, it, I, I don't know, I, I think it's like a beautiful moment that they still have faith and that <clears throat> it brings them together. At the same time, though, if I saw any of that stuff happening, I would <laughs> immediately probably lose my faith altogether. Right. Yeah. But, yep. I don't know, yeah. so. Um, Sheriff Hassan gets... I forget what happens to him. He gets stabbed or something, and he, he and his son die like next to each other, yeah. mm-hmm. which is uh, tear jerking. Wow, wow, crazy. And then, um, yeah, uh, Lisa and Riley's brother are the only people who live. Right, Warren. Yeah, Warren. Yes. yes. And you realize, they- and she realizes that. Um, she is losing feeling in her legs while they're sitting in the boat. It's oh, like man. Rough. Tough. Rough stuff. Yeah, she says that after after everyone on the island has like turned to dust, uh, she looks at Warren and goes, I can't feel my legs. And that's how it ends. And it's like, oh, man. Because I think that I, I really like wanted her to still somehow be able mm. to, to walk and, and run and do all that. But of course she couldn't because it was it was the blood. Yep. That she, so. Um. There. There. The only moments in the final episode that took me out of the the terror was when in this and this is like kind of an example of how I think that Mike Flanagan like is too sentimental sometimes. Like I mean the end that ending is not sentimental at all. But when Aaron is dying she's kind of reflecting on those conversations that she had with Riley about, mm-hmm. about existence and about like being alive and stuff yeah. like that. And the demon is like, 
kind of sucking her blood and or the angels sucking her blood and stuff and she's cutting like the holes in his its wings and that's how i'm assuming the angel ends up just like not dying because they can't die but like drowning and yeah, kind of yeah. being stuck in the ocean um but she's kind of ref- pontificating on like how we're all stardust and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, this is like <laughs> super, super like way, like way too sentimental and out of place. Uh, and I don't know if y'all felt the same way. 1000%. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like, I felt like if it hadn't been as long of a scene as it was, like it was yeah. a very it was long, like several minutes long. And I was like, oh, let's get back to like, what's happening. Like, let's not get, go back to like, how what, what we were doing in the first three or four episodes, like just right. slowly plodding along. It's like yeah. there are people getting killed and like <laughs> it's, it's spurting out everywhere. It, it, so. It's very funny that you you s- s- mentioned this the Stardust line because when she said that, I was like, oh my god, what <laughs> what is or, or, what happened to everything that's going on? Did we just the time just freeze and she's just this is a uh, death knock? She's knocking on death's door, but yep. yeah, I, I remember that scene and I was I remember chuckling like holy. Holy crap! Um, yeah, yeah. This could have ended like five minutes ago. Yeah, <laughs> her her monologue, not the not the, the episode, but her monologue. Um, <clears throat> Bev <throat> starts screaming and like trying to bury herself in the sand. Um, that's a pretty great moment. Like too. a coward. Yeah, that, I yeah. yeah, that was. Yeah, yeah, that was really cool. I I liked that she did. I mean, I like so many people who act like that. She's all talk, and then once uh, push comes to su- shove. Mm her death anxiety comes up and she's got to she's got to hide from from death cuz she knows it's happening. Also, I don't understand. I would love to hear y'all's thoughts on this. I don't understand. I under I understand like fire brings rebirth or whatever. Like I get that that mindset. If you know that you and the rest of the people that you have turned into vampires <laughs> cannot be out in the sun, <laughs> Why? Not a good oh, plan. Why would you set every building but one on fire? Just, I'm just curious. What? I don't know. Not a good plan. I don't think everyone should probably be together all the time. I realize that they've kind of morphed into this cult, vampire cult. But I just, it, yeah, yeah. Yep. Very confused by that moment. Yep. Maybe they just had like an arson itch that, that they just had to get rid of. Um, Maybe. Yeah. They had, to, right. they had to wrap it up in, in an episode, so. They're like, you there only not, have an episode, sorry. Yeah, there's not going to be an episode eight. You got you to gotta wrap this up. Yeah. Yep. Um, I guess this is a question more towards the technical side of the, the series. Um, how did y'all enjoy, um, and I don't know, Olivia, if you've seen Mike Flanagan's other work, but how did you enjoy, like, the, the whole hoarder um side of the this story um does it rank up there with some of the more horrific things you've seen in a movie slash tv show isaac or olivia isaac you go oh um oh man most horrific things this is up there i think because there's that emotional Mm -hmm. sort of cultural trauma associated with it um that's a really good question and i don't have like off the top of my head i think i think this and uh oh man actually another mike flanning uh dr sleep the scene where uh where they they kill the the boy 
the baseball oh, yeah. boy yeah, is yeah. really really tough like like extremely difficult to watch and it's that sort of same human struggle and you kind of realize exactly what's happening rebecca ferguson was like messed up whenever they filmed that scene oh, you can really? read you can read interviews about it um and so there's that i would say like possessor that's a um david cronenberg's son brandon yeah brandon yeah brandon, brandon cronenberg, cronenberg. Uh, Possessor has some really gnarly stuff in it that's very awesome. cool. Yeah, great, but it's but it's less. Flight. It's more just like gross and less like yeah, vile. You know, um, sure. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. What are your What are your thoughts? Does this rank up there pretty high for you? Um, uh, for me, I I think it does, and I think for the same exact reason that you mentioned, like not even the um the gore um or some of the more traditional horror elements that are present in the story, but the um, emotional things that these people are willing to go through and go through is, is pretty scary in itself. And it's like cruel. Once you kind of see a bunch of them with the glowing eyes, you're like, Oh, this is like, (laughs) yeah, they, they, they don't want this in the end. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think that's, I think that's what is so cruel about it. And so, tragic about father paul like he realizes mm-hmm. like oh dang i should have like it's the epitome of like men will literally bring uh, <laughs> a vampire back to the <laughs> island instead of go to therapy <laughs> instead of going to therapy yeah 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 <laughs> that's that's really funny so o- olivia what do you what do you think of the th- this horror story coming from uh Someone that just doesn't binge Saw movies or watch yeah, Saw, yeah. right? Saw yeah. trap videos on YouTube. So yeah, so as 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 we all know, not a fan of horror. Uh, I I do think that it was scary in the sense of like there were some jump scares, right? Mm-hmm. And and I think something is only as scary as the the score will allow it to be. Like, and I think that it does a really good job of like making some like crazy noise like as as the yeah. scary figure is in the background musical or in the cues, window. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that the the musical cues allow it to be scarier than it than it would if there yeah. there weren't those there. And I think that's what is always most scary to me is is the the musical cues tied like paired with that thing. Done done. And dun, yeah, dun. exactly. And so I I think once, once I got used to the, I just hit my mic. Sorry. Uh, once I got used to the the vampire demon angel thing, just it wasn't floating super, in the background. Yeah, it wasn't as scary, and it kind of reminded me of Nosferatu. Yep. I don't know if mm. anyone else thought that. I was like, I Nosferatu, uh, which helped me because I was hearing like SpongeBob and Squidward saying that in my head as I was <laughs> watching it, which made me feel a little bit better. Oh my. But hey, you know I gotta do what I gotta do. I exactly. I am a single woman who lives by herself. Yes, I think so you true. guys need to remember that. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think it, it was scary. It was for sure scary. I uh, did not watch it at night. I know Ugh. probably disappointed in me. I only I could only watch it in the day. I think I watched maybe an episode or two at the beginning in the evening as like the sun was setting, but. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't watch it at night. So, mm. but I do think it was scary. I think that like like what Isaac was saying whenever you could see like their eyes at the end kind of glowing, like that was creepy. 
Mm-hmm. I don't he's know. Good at, he's good at creepy. Like, yeah. like I kind of think, well, I mean, I think uh, the, the murder scene in Dr. Sleep and a couple other scenes in Dr. Sleep are like, oh, dang, this dude, this is like, this is more horror territory or, or, or like gory horror territory. Yeah. But I'm thinking even like in Hill House, there are like, that is probably the single most creepy like thing I've ever seen because the monsters and, yeah. or the ghosts in that are like, they're uh, like, they're tall. They they kind of float without Freaky. walking, and they follow the camera in really, really inventive yeah. ways that mm-hmm. I've just I haven't yeah. seen anywhere else. Yeah. Like he he just has a really good eye for that. But I definitely think I prefer Hill House because it's like the economy of scares to <laughs> plot is so so tight. A like, lot it better is, ratio. It's so much better. Yeah. In that yeah. Regard. I felt like this wasn't as scary as I, I thought it was going to be. Like, it ended up not being that scary, yeah. but I was still still a little creeped out. I think it was creepy and suspenseful more than anything. Yeah. Yeah. The The only reason I even turned tuned into this show was I was like, everybody that, I think it was the bloody, disgusting podcast and someone on there had got an early screen or two and it was talking about and this this show and they were advertising it as like a horror show and i was like okay this is like right up my alley and then mm-hmm. when i was watching it kind of like i, I guess after this second or third episode you were like where it's, it's just like, like lolling along i'm people. like yeah i'm like <laughs> this isn't the what i really originally signed up for but i still still really enjoyed it for the the characters and the kind of just the rich world that was built around the, yeah. the whole mm-hmm. vampires that's yeah. one one depressing island, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I understand why why uh, Riley and Aaron wanted to get get the f off of it. Yep, yep. two two star review on Yelp. <laughs> <laughs> Do not visit Crockett Island. <laughs> Do not visit Crockett Island. Not cool. Not yep. cool. You'll run into Bev, and that's not a good time. <laughs> turn, you possibly could turn into a vampire. Would not recommend. Would not recommend. Ten out of ten. Would not recommend. Yeah. Any other thoughts, guys? I feel like we've we've covered a lot of good stuff about Midnight Mass. Um, I'm gonna share when this episode goes up. I'm gonna share um, some of the links that uh, we have in our agenda. Um, there's a great Atlantic article. There's a great Premier Christianity article that talk about how meta uh, of a critique. Um, mm this series is of, of Christianity and specifically Catholicism. Um, so, so yeah, any other final thoughts before we wrap up? No, this was fun. I, I only watched this because we were covering this episode, but I'm glad we covered this episode, yeah. especially in time for Easter. Yay. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I hope everyone watches this. Yeah, this is like a great little Easter uh, queue up. <laughs> so. Just casual family fun for Easter. Yeah, exactly. Nothing this wrong is, with it. This is how we celebrate our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I do not know what our next episode is. Um, I think we, we were going to do two episodes dedicated to Midnight Mass and then realize that we could probably do it in one. Um, so I think... I know for sure we are going to be covering Doctor Strange. Um, I think our next episode, <clears throat> we, do, we don't know. Uh, so just count on um, 
actually, no, I think Olivia, you and I are going to do the top five performances in the Marvel Cinematic yeah. Universe. Yeah, yeah. I think that's so, our next one. So Isaac and I are going to cover that. Very Eric, cool. I know you love Marvel so much, so you're yeah. more than welcome to join us. <laughs> but yeah, we're going to, instead of doing a Moon Knight episode, because we, we, that's historically what we've done is covered the the series, whatever Marvel series was coming out or movie, uh, Isaac and I decided we were going to just kind of look at the whole thing, okay, the whole MCU, okay. and, and talk about our favorite performances, which ones we think are the best, and why. Yeah. Oh, so. a good time for reflection before Doctor Strange just nukes it in the movie. Just nukes yep. it and messes the whole <laughs> thing up. More so nice. than it already is after No Way Home. It will be a success if Nicolas Cage's Johnny Blaze appears. Uh, oh, man. Returned to, as Ghost Rider. I will Ghost literally Rider. stand up and is uh, a, scream my lungs out. <laughs> is there any chance Wesley Snipes is, is showing oh my up gosh, as Blaze? I hope so. Oh, man. That would be amazing. If he does show up, that would be my return okay. to the movies from Marvel. All right, Eric, if I send you a text after watching Doctor Strange and say, it's your time for Marvel, that's that's your cue. That's your, that's, cute. That's, that's your cute. Time for you to go. That, that yeah. Wesley is back, baby. Let's go. Okay. I, I did see the um, No Way Home just came out on home video, so mm-hmm. I might. Be watching that in the coming weeks. There you go. Okay. All right. I can't. I can't wait for your review on it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. All right. Cool. We'll we'll see you guys when we cover uh, top five or top ten, whatever best MCU performances. We're going to be covering Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness in a couple weeks, which Eric may or may not be joining <laughs> us on. And then um, I think that's it. I think that's it right now. Maybe yes. an episode dedicated to movie moms for Mother's Day. So mm. we can, uh, we have some fun things in the can. So awesome. we will uh, see you guys later. Um, this episode was produced by Walter Lyle, who had um, was not unable to, who was unable to make this recording, um, although he really loved Midnight Mass. Our music is by Corden Jocks. Our artwork is by late Macy Lummis. And... I'm Isaac Sims, and that's kind of it. And that's that's the, the Midnight Mass. And w- what is this? Some sort of Midnight Mass? <laughs> <laughs> I should, that's that's what we should have opened it with. I I think it would be right for us to end this episode with some of Walter's live tweeting um, that he sent of, us during Midnight, Midnight Mass. Mass. I'm I'm trying to pull it up. We're not live okay. tweeting, but live messaging in the Discord. He says on April fourth. I don't have the timestamp, unfortunately. But he says, I have two more episodes left of Midnight Mass. This is insane. (laughs) (laughs) One day later, on the second to last episode of Midnight Mass, it is still insane. (laughs) And then on 4-5-2022, the finale, yeah, I just finished it today. (laughs) Kind of anticlimactic finale to his live messaging, but that works. He thinks it is insane. He was probably put off by the Stardust line, too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Stardust. All right. We will see you guys later. Eric, Olivia, thanks for joining me. Or or not joining me. Like, this isn't my operation. This is our operation. But thanks for your thoughts. Yeah. Um, Yeah. This is our thing. This is our thing. I told you. Yeah. I know. This operation is not a unicycle. It is a tandem bike. (laughs) We're all on it. Traverse those things look the, the world of SEO. <laughs>
Exactly. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Goodbye. Sign up.